there are about 900 cases that have been brought up of children that were forcibly taken from their families or disappeared in the chaos of war, kind of like me. Uh, and of those, 350 have been solved, but only 250 have been uh, have led to reunions. Welcome to The Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast, helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day, despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut-up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. I am your host and chief shut-upper of Making Shit Happen, Bernie Shaw. Now, on to today's episode. <laughs> Hi, guys. We're back for another awesome episode of The Shut Up Show, and I am your lovely host. It sounds funny when I'm announcing myself as the lovely host, but I am the lovely and the one and only shin-kicking Bernie Shung. I'm so glad to have you guys join us back for another awesome and amazing Braving Through Fear conversation we're going to have today. And if this is your first time in the Shut Up Show community, welcome. This is going to be an awesome one because I get to have a conversation today with somebody who I met in person recently and whose story is totally going to move you to tears if, if we take it there, but I have a feeling we will. But anyway, I'm so proud to uh, bring on to the show somebody who has been in my Misfit community for several months now. And if you have been here in the Shut Up Show community, you are very familiar with the Misfit community, which I talk quite a bit in all of my writing and on these podcasts and so I'm so excited to be able to bring a fellow misfit here to talk about fear and and how hard things can really be as a solopreneur but then how we can all get through it together work it out and come out stronger on the other side so with that welcome to the show Nelson DeWitt hi hey. Nelson it's great to be here woohoo and where are you calling in from Nelson I'm calling in from just outside of Boston. Nice. You don't have a Boston accent. Boston. A little bit. Everyone, everyone asks me about that, but like yeah. we'll drop our T's. So I say Boston instead of Boston, you know. Huh, that's interesting. Okay, I'll have to pay attention to that. I'm used to like, you know, and please don't judge me, everybody who's listening and watching here, but when I think of Boston, I think of New Kids on the Block. <laughs> yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, hell yeah. I grew up like in love with New Kids on the Block, although my favorite was Jordan. He was uh, the one with the high falsetto <laughs> and the curly yeah, yeah. hair. No, anyway. I, don't, I don't have a, a thick Boston. I don't pack my car and have it yet. But, <laughs> there we, see, yeah. there we go. Yeah. But, but I digress. That's not why we brought you on the show. <laughs> Unless you can fake a really good Boston accent, then maybe we will have you back again, but just kidding. Um, so what we're going to talk about today, there, there are a lot of things I know that Nelson can, can you know, impart additional wisdom on how does one get through something that feels like a deafening fear? And though there are a lot of great things that Nelson can talk about, I really feel like 
his story is so unique, nothing like I've ever heard of before. And instead of me trying to give you the Reader's Digest version, I really want Nelson to be able to take us through the conversation and let's start there and build the foundation. Nelson, I know this is a very long-winded backstory, yeah. but I really would love for you to start there. If you can give us a, a, a synopsis of like what happened when you were younger that led you to being the Nelson Roberto that you are today? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in the Boston area, um, pretty much in, you know, 10 mile radius of where I am now. And growing up, I was an adopted child. I had a little brother, Derek, and uh, we had a pretty typical upbringing. We went to Red Sox games and summer camp and uh, I always knew I was adopted, but I didn't ask a lot of questions, mostly because my parents were always honest with me, and they said, you know, we don't really know much about your past. And then one day in 1997, when I was 16, we got a phone call out of the blue saying that uh, a family was looking for me. And my adoptive father was the one who took the call, and he almost dropped the phone because, you know, like he was thinking, who is this person calling about uh, his son after all these years. And uh, basically they sent us in like a re investigative report and we learned that my birth family had been revolutionaries in the Civil War in El Salvador and that I had been separated through this uh, kidnapping mission that had gone wrong. And you know I'm learning all of this as I'm 16 and uh, we did a DNA test to make sure that it was my family. Uh, I mean, you could tell from the pictures, but just to be 100%, we did a, a DNA test, and uh, it took a month to get the results back, and then we got it back in October of 1997, and we booked our tickets to Central America, and that December, I flew down to Costa Rica, and I met 30 to 40 of my family members for the first time. And it was just, you know, you walked out of the airport and I'm greeted by my father and little sister and cousins, aunts, uncles. It was the most overwhelming thing I've ever experienced. And uh, since then, I've been going down to Central America, to Costa Rica and Panama, primarily uh, visiting them for the past 16 years. Wow. What even goes on in the mind? I mean, let alone you know, the fact that you were 16, but these people you've never seen before, that you've never had any connection with, all of a sudden are just embracing you with all this unconditional love and warmth. And how did you even, how were you even able to fathom what happened, Nelson? I, the short answer is I, I couldn't. I didn't <laughs> for a while. It probably took... Uh, 12 years, 10, 12 years to kind of really let it sink in. I think for the, you know, the, the I guess, nice thing about being 16 is that I was kind of old enough to understand what was going on, but young enough to enjoy it. So the first couple years, it was really about getting to know these people that had been, uh, you know, come back in my life and, it was uh, building relationships with my older sister, older brother, with my younger sister, and just getting to be like a teenager with them. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I started to learn more about what was going on in El Salvador and Central America in the time and kind of like 
wait a minute, what does this mean for who I am as a person and for what happened to them? So it, it took a while. It was a long process, but uh, yeah. How has that shaped the the work that you do today? I mean, obviously, it has touched mm. you, and and I know that a lot of the work you do today is in direct alignment with what happened to you and many other people who've suffered from you know the kidnapping and things like this. But how, from from an individual standpoint, Nelson, how has it shaped you to be the person that you want to be today in the work you do? Yeah, I think it's you know while as a misfit, someone asked me. Um, why don't why don't you pick uh, why don't you pick Nelson or Roberto? Why are you both? And I mean, we can you know go into why that's sort of a, not the best question in the world. But I think at the core of that, my response is always I, I can't you know I, I can't separate. And what I've come to realize is that uh, some projects I do because I'm sort of Nelson, this American entrepreneur that I you know I, I love the challenge of bringing a bright idea to life and everything that entails. And then the other side, there's uh, Roberto with this incredible legacy. And I'm always thinking about how, do, how does the work that I do um, honor that and, and bring light to everything that happened in my past. So there, there are kind of these two sides that sometimes pull me in different directions, but other times uh, you know, they, they come together and on certain projects. That's where my focus I is. I love it. I love it. I almost feel like, because you're right, I, I think it's a it's a hard question to give a definitive answer to because my take on it is this. You wouldn't be who you are today and doing the work you do, I mean, at the amazing level that you do, if you weren't Nelson and Roberto. You know what I mean? I mean, we, yeah. we ultimately know that you're the same person, right, essentially. But to be able to carry on these two different, if you, did you ever see the movie Sliding Doors? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, well, so so pretty much the, the gist of that movie was Gwyneth Paltrow was the main person, and she goes through these, you know, the subway station every day, and they, they call it sliding doors. And so had she gone through the door one minute earlier or later or something, then it would have changed the trajectory of her life. And so it takes you in the entire movie, it takes you through those two different paths had she walked through the door or not, or had she gone five minutes earlier or not. And so it shows you both paths of Gwyneth Paltrow and both of those paths until you get to the end, and then the end of the movie kind of reveals like what really happened. But anyway, I feel like we can't take you to where you are now and say, okay, you have to choose. You're one or the other. I feel like the two paths have converged now, and you're still both those two paths. Like yeah. that, That's kind of the way I'm, I'm envisioning it as a creative. Yeah, I, I mean it is. It, it, there's so many little things uh, that I've learned over the past 16 years about what went on in Central America and with my birth family, choices that family members had to make that, you know, had a decision been made differently than I'm not here sitting with you today. And that's, it can be very overwhelming at times, like to, to kind of... Um, think about that and you're like oh my god if this and this had happened then you know everything's different but I think that over time as I talk about it more and I share my story it helps me come to a better understanding about not only who I am but it, it makes me feel better about everything that happens and I sort of come to terms with everything. You're you're like the modern, I'm going to be cheesy here, but you're like the modern day Clark Kent and Superman. <laughs> 
I'm not even kidding. I mean, like, that's how I feel. Like, it warms my heart. I, yeah. th I think it's sweet. I really do because it's like he is that guy, you know, but he puts the glasses on and he's the other guy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, but seriously, that's how I feel. And, and I don't think you have to pick. I don't think you have to choose because Nelson Roberto is you. It's just a label, really, at the end of the day. It's just a label, but who you are is how you show up in the world, Nelson. And I think if you showed up in the world and you didn't have a name at all, I think you would still be how you were being, and I, I think you would still be who you are being because of everything that you went through that shaped your life. Would you agree yeah. with that? Absolutely. And I think, you, you know, you make a great point about labels, and one thing I've... I've noticed talking to other adoptees is that part of coming to terms with it is kind of picking your own name and like you know most people either call me Nelson or Roberto you know it's not like there are people walking around calling me Nelson slash Roberto but <laughs> that'd be kind of weird if they did hi Nelson right, yeah, slash yeah. Roberto <laughs> but, but that picking of the of the two names is sort of like me saying all right this is who I am I'm, I'm both of these people because uh, to the American side I'm Nelson and to my family in Central America I'm Roberto the disappeared child so it's yeah. like you know embracing those two sides yeah so I'm sure there might be some people who are watching and listening here and going what what is this thing that we're talking about can you can you give us a brief summary of what happened in El Salvador so in El Salvador in the late uh, 70s early 80s there was a civil war and it was the right-wing military against the left-wing guerrillas. And this was a country that 95% uh, of the country's wealth was controlled by five, 3 to 5% of the population. And it, the war started out when um, labor unions and teachers and student groups protested for you know, a, a better society, uh, better earning, and that those protests, those demonstrations were met by bullets. So the, the government would um, kill many of its own uh, civilians. And that eventually progressed into a full uh, rebellion. And my parents, when they were uh, just out of high school, got involved with the, the revolution. And they were there for several years until, uh, until. so it, it, this is where it kind of gets uh, long and complicated. But the short is that my father was shot in the heart, uh, about an inch away from his heart, and almost didn't make it. And my mother was assigned to this kidnapping mission and uh, was then captured or killed by the Honduran military. And that's what led me to being separated to the U.S., so that whole backstory is like 20 minutes. You could do a whole show on it. But, right, um, right. And I know there's a good place for people to find that uh, video yeah. where, where you do talk about that. But how, do you remember the count? How many children were, were impacted like you? So there are, at the, the numbers are always changing, but there are about 900 cases that have been brought up of children that were forcibly taken from their families or disappeared in the chaos of war, kind of like me. Uh, and of those, 350 have been solved, but only 250 have been uh, have led to reunions. So some of those people did not want to meet their birth family or um, just 
they the the child had died in, in the war, so there was no reunion. That leaves about 500 or so open cases of ch uh, children in El Salvador that were disappeared and family members who are still looking for their loved ones today. Right. Wow. That is just crazy. I I couldn't even believe it when I when I was listening to the story. I was just blown away because that wasn't very long ago. I mean, when you think no, about that. And I can't believe I forgot about that. I'm sure I did learn it um, growing up. But, I mean, you knowing that you were a part of that, I mean, that must be beyond belief. I mean, do you, do you have any memories? I mean, how old were you? Do you know? I was, I was one when I was separated from my family, and I spent a year okay. in the orphanage, and I was two when I was adopted. So I think in, in some ways I'm very fortunate that I don't have any memories because... Right. It was a very traumatic experience, uh, to say the least. Um, so I, I don't really have any memories of it, but you know, I, I have come to an understanding of like everything that happened, and it is it is overwhelming. I mean, when I first uh, there are pictures of me in the newspaper in Honduras, and you look at the 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 way I describe it is you look at that picture and you know that that's you you don't feel like that's you. And it's just, it's just very weird. You know, it's almost like you see in the movies, like we've been talking yeah. about movies, yeah. where they have this picture and there's someone like in the, you know, back in time and you look at it and you're like, that's you. And they're like, no, it's not me. But it's, it's kind of that feeling where you're, yeah. you're looking at someone else's life, except it's you. It's your life. Wow. That must like psych you out a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, and and I mean, and as this relates to the work you do now, Nelson, I, I'm sure a lot of the passion and drive in you continuing to show up and do good work every day is is what I have the tendency to say a lot here on the show. But we usually are driven by something that happened to us, whether it was a positive experience or a negative experience or an experience that was just so huge that you can't. Ha wrap your head around but emotionally you just feel you know compelled to go do it um, tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing now and how this does relate to everything that happened to you Nelson sure so I do uh, entrepreneurial art projects I've written a book I'm working on another book and my main project at the moment is a documentary film and the film is basically about my experiences that we've just talked about and the other disappeared children of El Salvador. And the, the film is, as you pointed out, kind of this great meeting point between the two sides because it, it does uh, talk about and share my family's story. And at the same time, it, in, it engages my um, entrepreneurial side because I'm trying to figure out, all right, how do we produce this thing? How do we pay for it? How do we launch it? You know, what are all the steps involved? So it, it really kind of uh, tests my two sides, and, and that's where I get a lot of the enjoyment out of the project. Right, and tell me again, what was your, what did you go to school for? So originally I went for uh, business and technology, okay. kind of the mix, and, um, you know, kind of a MIS kind of background and um, yeah some of it's some of it's been useful but a lot of it I've, I've had to learn on my own you know right so. storytelling you know marketing film production what yeah. else <laughs> right writing I mean come right. on <laughs> I mean so I, I went to a very technical institute and I think the hardest thing for me to 
understand and learn is that a lot of marketing is storytelling and perception. And as an engineer, I don't know why this is, but a lot of engineers think if you present a, a logical case about why this idea is better than this one, everyone will just understand and finish right. it off. And it's a very hard lesson to learn that you have to, you know, explain and it has to look nice and sound nice. So let me guess. So stuff. so Nelson's the engineer and Roberto's the creative. Is it? Are, it it could right? be. Yeah. I mean, but. Basically, and another way that I've been able to kind of meet the two sides is with this, you know, uh, very technical background and this very creative background. And I Absolutely. think for a long time I didn't embrace the creative side. Mm -hmm. And as I moved over more to the creative side, I, I found that's when I, I started to get a little more traction with my work. So it's been this right. balance of the perfect two. marriage. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to get to the question of the hour, Nelson, because this is yeah. something I always want to know with everybody I talk about. And we talked about this at the top of the show, and it's um, how many times we as solopreneurs, we're just you know creatives and people who are putting great content out there, um, we tend to see people put out only the glamorous side of their lives and businesses. And you know, to, to some degree, I think that's great and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with celebrating your accomplishments. But then what about the darker times? What about the times? Times where you're gripped with fear and maybe other people want to know about that because then they feel like they can relate to you more right maybe your information's even more resonant with them because they know what it's like to feel fear too so with that said I'm sure there are many things that you're still fearful of but right now as we sit here what is freaking you out the most right now in your life or work Nelson um, well I think you make a good point and I just wanted to, to back up a little bit because uh, one thing I've learned is that, you know, we, we don't, you're right, we, we don't always want to pre present this, you know, polished version, but if you go to a lot of my sites and, and my work, then I do present a very polished thing, and that is part of the sort of artistic side of I want to present my best foot. So when you're coming to, to look at my stuff, I want, like for the first time, I want you to see this is my very best work. This is the best stuff I'm capable of. Because if you give people too much, then they get lost in all of that, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't quite have the impact. But at the same time, you're right. You really do want to be open and honest with people in spaces like this. I think in spaces where you know the people and you trust them about what is freaking you out. Um, and, and there's a lot of stuff that, that I've been scared of in my past and that I've worked to. So to answer your question very plainly, the one thing that's freaking me out right now is that my hard drive crashed the other day and it has like all of my... Uh, basically all of my digital files going back to high school. Oh, no. And let me guess, and, you didn't back it up? No, 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 no. It, oh, it, okay. I did. <laughs> but, but it's like it's in re recovery mode right now. Okay. And I'm just, you know, hoping that it all goes smoothly. So, okay. you know, that, that's... <laughs> so it is, it is backed up, but, you yeah. know, it's still nerve-wracking because it's like all your work that you've, you know, done over the past... 15 years or more, you know, okay. so I'm just, you know, that that's a simple things. Other things I think um, are 
have to do with with places that you that I haven't been before, either as an entrepreneur or as an artist. Whenever I launch a Kickstarter project, for example, that you know I, I'm hovering over that green launch button, and it's freaking me out because it means you're putting yourself out into the world, and you're exposed, you're vulnerable, you know, and, and you can't launch things without being vulnerable, but it still is difficult to press the, the green button. And, and you're so right about that, Nelson, because every single person I've talked to here on the show will say the same thing. They'll freak out every time, and I think the only thing that really changes over time as you get better at it is yeah. the length of time you freak out. Like, that's the only mm -hmm. thing that's different, but the freaking out never, ever goes away. <laughs> you just shorten the gap. You know, in right, which you freaked yeah. out. How do you work through that? I mean, I know it, that's that's kind of a huge question, you know, sure. for you to answer. But do you have maybe your top one to three tips you can give us for yeah. those who are like, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. There's a lot of self doubt creeping in. What would you tell them to do? Uh, two things uh, that I have found very useful. One is simply understanding the biology of the brain and why we freak out, you know, and this whole, I mean, the best thing to do is uh, Google Seth Godin and the lizard brain and start understanding that we have three different parts to our brain, and the, the part that causes us to freak out is the same part that's responsible for the fight or flight responses, and it's kind of bored in the modern world. You know, we're not going to get eaten by a tiger walking down the street, so it looks for other things that, that are going to freak it out, and uh, launching Kickstarter projects is one thing that, that causes it to go crazy. So just understanding what your brain is doing, I think, helps, you know, it, it, it structures it, because you can say, okay, it's just my lizard brain, I know I'm freaking out, but it'll be okay. And then the second thing that I like to do is look at or study famous artists and entrepreneurs. And one thing you, you learn by doing that is that every single one is scared of something, you know. And so I, I recently, or a couple months ago, I watched, like, a I interview with Beyonce about, like, her album that she put out recently. And she's like, oh, I'm so scared about this, this, and this. And you're like, but you're Beyonce. <laughs> exactly. Right? And then uh, if you listen to Jay-Z's album, he you know, there's a verse on there where he's like, I'm scared of not being there for my daughter like my like my father wasn't there for me. And so you see, like, he's he may not be afraid of, like, uh, doing business deals or, or doing rap albums, but he's afraid of something, of, of taking care of his daughter, and that, that comes through in the music. So right. understand the biology and study uh, the most successful people, and they all talk that. about fear. I love it. That is such great advice, and, and I, I couldn't agree more, and I, I love that you brought these parts up because I think when we think about fear, too, we don't always have to see as of, as fear being a negative thing. In mm. fact, in the in the last uh, conversation I just had with somebody for the show that will also be coming around the same time as yours is published, but we talked about it, too, and he said, you know, Bernie, my fear is actually fueling me. That if I wasn't afraid of some of these things I'm talking about, I probably wouldn't, you know, be as serious or, or take this as seriously to do the great job that I do. So I almost feel like this fear is essential because we care more about the work we put out. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, back to Seth Godin, who's 
uh, has a great, at least it, it's helped me a lot the way that he structured it. But he says use it as a compass to guide you. And what I've noticed now is that things that I'm nervous about or fearful about, that's a good signal to me that maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I need to go, you know, do one or two things or, or talk to people before I do this. And that the fear isn't like, it, it, it's not me that I'm going to die or that people are going to make fun of me or any of these horrible things that your imagination comes up with. It's simply that, oh, I need to pick up the phone, talk to someone who's been in this position, and that'll help me work through it. I love it. That's so awesome. And I know I could keep talking to you forever. I mean, we had a great conversation last time. We talked one-on-one, -on -one too. So yeah. I definitely know I need to get back on, on uh, Skype and Google Hangout with you, Nelson. But we are closing up here. And uh, I'm so sad about that. But I'm not sad about what we're going to do next here. So I really want you to pimp out what you're working on because I want people to find your work. And I'd love for you to also pimp out you know, all the documentary stuff and maybe where people can find out about your story. But then also, if you could share with us, like what kind of stuff are you doing now to help people so that they can find your work and potentially hire you if they think it's a good fit? So go sure. ahead and pimp yourself out for the next few minutes. Yeah. So uh, the first thing, documentary film, is at identifyingnelson.com, or you can just Google identifying Nelson, and it'll pop right up. Um, the email list and everything is up there where you can get updates about the film. To find more of my work and what I do, you can go to nelsonroberto.com, or just Google that. I'll pop right up again. And uh, while you're there, just check out... Like, because we're on this show, I'm going to sort of pull back the magic curtain and just say, you know, like, go look at my website, Nelson Roberto, and what you'll see is sort of my very best work. So I put my very best uh, film projects. I put my very best photography. I put my very best essays. And that's intentional because I want people to, when they come, see what I'm, what I'm capable of. And then... Uh, you know, kind of have a, that's my resume. That's my resume in a very visual way. And so the things that I do now to help people are, uh, I do a lot of work with crowdfunding and helping people kind of structure their ideas to fit within the crowdfunding and then kind of what's the overall strategy for that. I've also done crowdfunding campaigns, like put together and done all the creative for people before. And then other than that, I just like uh, talking on Skype and, and hanging out with cool people like you. You're awesome, seriously, and your Kickstarter campaign did super, super awesome, so I can vouch for the fact that Nelson is really amazing at that for anybody who's interested, Even, whether it's a Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign or any campaign where you've got to get people to back you up, Nelson is the dude to go to. So, um, and I'll, I'll say it was a lot of trial and error, and I learned all the mistakes. And that's the way yeah. it usually is, isn't it, Nelson? Yeah, seriously. absolutely. Yeah. So so with that said, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for talking about your story. I know we only scratched the surface, but I knew that this stuff would be relevant because a lot of the things that we do today as solopreneurs and trying to find the bravery to get through all that crappy stuff, it actually does come from a very you know early part in our lives, maybe with things that we haven't dealt with or maybe things that traumatized us, but that also help shape us to be the people we are today. So Nelson, I knew you would be a perfect fit for the show. So again, yeah. thank you for coming and thank you for sharing your story. Well, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Awesome. We'll see you next week. Shut up show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the shut up show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, simply go to our website 
at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.